and welcome to this edition of the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. I'm Melissa Zimmerman, and I hope that the beginning of your 2020 is already amazing. I'm expecting that great things have happened to you so far this year, and I believe that God is creating encounters for you every single day. And today, you're going to have a beautiful encounter with one of the most beautiful people I know. Um, Not only is she just really pretty and and attractive, but she is one of the most spiritually beautiful people I know. And I know that because I have uh, worked with her, we've been co-workers, and I have sat for years as she led me into the presence of the Lord leading worship. And so uh, today on my show, I have a really special friend Lael Ewing. And Lael and I first met when she was the worship pastor at Victory Church. Actually, she was just on the uh, worship like admin team when I first met her because she was very, very young. Um, and she had been, and I've just watched her grow over the years. And so uh, I am super happy to have you on my show today. Welcome, Lael. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm very happy and honored to be here. And you have like pretty much watched her grown up. <laughs> I have oh, watched man, you. Time. <laughs> it has been. Um, so the, we first have to uh, talk about your name. Okay, yeah. Because like we, you and I have one of those names, yes. right? And um, and so it's Lael mm-hmm. Lauthen, mm-hmm. right? Lauthen is my maiden right, name. Is now. your maiden name. Her married name is Ewing yeah. now. <laughs> so thanks, Reed, for changing her name. Ewing is easier. Yeah, a little I, bit. <laughs> I was super happy to get Zimmerman. It's way easier than, you know, Morrow, which is not spelled like it sounds yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, man. Um, so when did you write your first song? I wrote my first song when I was 13, around that time. Okay. That's usually the age I always I always say. Do you remember what it was? I do. <laughs> it was, the name of it was Secret. Uh-huh. And it was all about not keeping the love of Christ a secret in your life and just being bold about sharing it. And so, yeah, I do remember. I do remember writing that song. <laughs> That's super awesome. So if you wrote your first song when you were 13... Tell me about how you became a Christ follower. So that happened pretty early on. I, this is actually like a funny story, but like I'm dead serious about it. But I always tell people like I got saved watching a Donut Man video, which I don't know if anybody even remembers or knows what that series of like Christian children's videos is. But my mom like had several of those videos that every now and then she'd pop into the VCR back in the day, so I'm young enough to remember what a VCR is. <laughs> um, and yeah, she would just pop them in every now and then. And what was funny about this particular time, I, I was right around the five or six years old window. I had probably seen these videos like so many times, but for whatever reason, there was just this one particular afternoon. I don't know where my brother was or what he was doing, but I just remember being alone watching the video in our living room. And in every video, they always do basically like a call to salvation. And they use like a donut as the analogy of, you know, we're all like a donut with a hole in our hearts that only Jesus can fill. And I mean, they would talk about we all have sin in our lives that's what causes the whole and like for whatever reason this whole analogy just like came alive to me one day and I just I got it I was like oh my goodness like I know that I have sin in my life and I have that hole and I want Jesus to come fill it and make me 
whole again. <laughs> and so, like, they lead you in a little prayer in the video. And I'm, like, just sitting there praying it, meaning it with everything in me. And as soon as I was done, I remember running to my mom and being like, Mom, Mom, like, I asked Jesus into my heart. And, like, she got all excited with me. And I remember being so excited for my dad to come home that day so I could tell him what had happened. And so he gets home. Like, he kind of, like... I mean, as a good, like, spiritual leader would do, like, kind of really walks me back through everything to make sure I really understood, and I did, um, and, I mean, truly, I, I believe coming to Christ that early on was very monumental for just some different things I would go through in my childhood, um, and just growing up, and I always am grateful that that little Donut Man video, like, introduced me to Jesus, and in I think, such a real way. I think you said something really powerful just then. You said that would kind of anchor you. I'm oh, going to use yeah. a different word than you used, but anchor mm-hmm. you uh, in your relationship with God when things would happen later in life. For sure. One of the things that I recognize is when you're on a plat- when you're on a public platform, and you were for lots and lots of years. Mm-hmm. Um, People look at you and think, oh, man, they have their life put together. They've, they have no idea what I'm going through. They've never been through a struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not true. Yeah. And so um, how, do you, how did you, as a public, with a public uh, persona, for, all, for lack of a better way to put it, how did you kind of bring those two things into line? You know, because, I mean, like your life is not perfect. No, <laughs> for sure not. Um, and that was a difficult thing at times, especially because, you know, I think right now in culture and society, and I probably notice it the most on social media, there's this kind of swing into everybody being super like vulnerable and authentic and genuine, which I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Just in life and our relationships and leadership. Um, but I think it is difficult sometimes when you have, like you said, like this, this public perception and there just being some things in your life that you can't share or talk about, or you maybe are just choosing not to out of respect for other people in your life that would be affected by you sharing that. And I think for me, what helped me, handle all of that was off the stage having safe people that could keep me grounded could keep me um could just be that safe place for me to be open about the difficult things that I may have been going through in different seasons and you know not faulting people or kind of becoming resentful of the fact that people may have a certain perception because I mean it, it does just kind of come with the territory and it's not you know I don't I don't blame people for thinking whatever they want to think but I just I learned definitely really early on like I if I allow what people think I mean negatively or positively about me just from what they're basing on what they're seeing on a stage like there's no way I could have probably done what I did like <laughs> I, w- I would not have been able to do what I did for as long as I did if I was being like swayed by the thoughts that people may or may not have been having. And I, I love the quote, I don't remember who says it, but like what people think about you is none of your business. Absolutely. <laughs> like it really isn't. It's like it really I mean, you could just drive yourself like nuts, um, by living for 
the thoughts and opinions of of man and again I think just having a strong support system off the stage or platform and everybody has one in some in some way shape or form is just really critical to you just not kind of going crazy honestly for sure you know and I think it's I think it's interesting because as you talk about that um just that public perception that people have for you. You're actually an introvert. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't realize that about you for a long time because, um, you know, I always saw you. At, I mean, we, bo- we both worked at uh, a really large church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, so you were on live streams everywhere. And, and um, so there was always a video production kind of mm-hmm. element to what, you, what we did as far as worship was concerned. And, and, um, and I think people... S- on that platform, you have to kind of be extroverted and, you know, all of that stuff. (laughs) And then you walk off the platform and you're like, but really, I'm an introvert. Um, Talk a little bit about how that, how you manage those two things. And did, was, was that hard to manage sometimes for you? Did people, I mean, I know we're going back to the idea that we don't care what people think. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. we can't take really into account what everybody says about it, but did, Mm -hmm. did that affect you and how, Oh, for sure. I think especially before I really understood what an introvert was, it I used to really think that something was wrong with me um, because I did kind of feel like, am I just, am I faking in front of people all the time? Like, am I cut out for this? Because it, it does not always feel like natural and comfortable to get up in front of people, whether it's to sing or even in like large groups to interact with people it's like I always felt like I can do this for a little bit but I just eventually like hit that wall where I'm like I can't do this anymore and once I realized oh like being introvert it it doesn't mean that you're not capable of getting like on a stage to speak or sing or you know interacting with a bunch of people in a room like you we just need to re-energize differently than someone like my husband who like or Melissa be around. I mean you guys are yeah. just and it's honestly I think it's hard for extroverts to fathom introverts and introverts to fathom extroverts because I just think he could literally talk to like people constantly 24 7 and like never get tired of it and that literally sounds like my worst nightmare <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh I love just being like alone just like with my thoughts and like and, but it's not that I don't love people. Um, it's just I need that time to just be away and quiet and in solitude. And uh, But for sure, I had a lot of uh, mind games with that in the beginning because I would look at other people, especially in ministry, who I think, I mean, it would be, I guess, fascinating to know the actual statistics of, you know, how many pastors and you know, worship leaders err more on the side of being an extrovert versus an introvert. But I just always felt a little bit out of place because it looked like it came so easy to the extroverts. And it made me doubt a lot of the time, like if I was cut out for it and could do this, you know, for the long, long run. But once um, the Lord kind of helped me see, you know, that you don't need to be limited by the label of extrovert or introvert, like God creates all of us for a reason the way that he does and uses everybody's bend um and all of us are needed with those those two different types of of personalities and like um now I just know I know you know kind of what my energy supply is I guess in certain situations and what I need to do kind of on either side of those 
big public interactions to um, make sure that I don't get get burnout and you know for sure at the end of every Sunday like for the rest of the day I just I needed to, to chill and I kind of learned like I don't need to plan other big social things like on the evening of a Sunday because I've just I give and give and give on that Sunday morning and you're just you're on stage giving and then off the stage you're greeting people which again I love that part it was never a matter of like not loving it um I just realized I just had to make sure I was preserving preserving that time to refill back up which for an introvert is getting alone and getting quiet (laughs) you know it's funny because even for extroverts Mm -hmm. um and I'm like you I it was hard for my my husband's an introvert and I'm an extrovert but even after a long Sunday when in a big church where you do multiple services and you have thousands of people that are in and out the door on on every Sunday for me when we would when I would get home on Sunday afternoon I would be like I don't have any words left to give I know, you yeah, like, I please don't all my words today. please don't talk to me like I don't want to talk to anybody yeah, yeah. I don't want to uh, and it was really hard for Steve because you know he wasn't doing that all morning all day yeah. and um and so he, it was hard for him to transition into saying she's not mad at me oh yeah she just mm-hmm. doesn't have anything left for me oh, did, yeah. did Reed, you find that with Reed too oh for sure like I think especially in the beginning of our marriage but you know you're just mm-hmm. figuring everything out like um us learning how to communicate with each other about like what we needed to refuel because it's the same for him like if he goes too long without engaging with people and just you know feeling that stimuli from just conversations and being around people like I can tell it it wears on him and so um, it's definitely been a journey for us like learning how to balance that out together but we've just learned to you know respect each other's needs in that area and um, kind of finding what what works for both of us individually and together um but I think I think that's good that you brought that up too though that it's not that extroverts don't need their alone time right too. in fact my husband says he feels like the older he gets the more of an introvert he's becoming <laughs> the um, older he gets in his you know 30s has he made it to 30 yet no <laughs> he'll be 31 uh into january (laughs) (laughs) that's always that always strikes me funny but um so let's talk a little bit about song songwriting Mm -hmm. um how many songs have you written oh gosh i kind of quit counting a long time ago because you know you got your song starts stuff that are halfway done completed um I mean, but for, I mean, it's for sure in the hundreds somewhere, but I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I just, I quit counting. When I used to, when we used to work together, I'd be like, oh, look, Lael sneezed and another song came out and we'd be singing the next Lael song, you know, on, on, as part of our worship. And they were all amazing and they were all fun. And, um, at Victory, we did a lot of your songs and that was really, that was really cool. That has to be, that has to be awesome to have God use you in that way. I was always kind of, you know jealous of that I'm sure it's not as easy as it looks on the outside well it was just it was something I never expected or even I think knew I could dream about or even think about wanting because for me I mean we talked about how I wrote my first song when I was 13 and I mean I I was playing piano by ear well before that around five I think is when I started so for me growing up Um, And this kind of all ties back to just that anchoring of Mm -hmm. finding Christ at such a young age. Like, for me, sitting down at the piano, whether it was just to play or eventually to write songs, was where, like, my history of the, like, with the Lord was 
made. Right. And it was just so personal to me. So for years, like, I really didn't even share many of my songs. Because <laughs> um, a lot of them were just, like, prayers or just... It was the way that I processed just different things that I was going through. All the feelings and emotions. Especially, you know, during those, like, teenage years. Um, I made, like, one little... Um, CD when I was 16 um so that was kind of like my first big like oh gosh I'm actually gonna like let people hear some of these songs and it was scary but it was it was rewarding on the other side of it um just kind of like how it was received by you know immediate family and friends at church and school at the time but still I never I never really thought by the time I graduated high school and was getting ready to start college like that was ever something to pursue like I was very logical like okay I graduated like I need to go to school I need to I was paying my way through school so I was just totally in this mindset like I'm just going to be responsible and I just I, I wouldn't even let myself go there and then just through a crazy series of events um ending up at victory and then I didn't even know Victory had this whole songwriting thing going at the time. So I just, I knew God was definitely like weaving it all together. But I still just felt super unqualified, super unworthy to submit <laughs> or share anything. Like I remember um, like Chris in particular at the time would always have to like, ask me like what are you working on what what can you share well, like he would have to like coax it out of me because I just it did not matter how many songs I wrote I, I still never felt like anything was like good enough right you know um but thankfully I had good people around me who believed in me and would draw it out of me um but yeah those I mean anytime a song was sung for the first time and then to hear it sung back at me um, and some of the songs even were ones that I had written when I was 13, 14, that almost 10 years later were being heard, um, and sung by, you know, my church family. Like that was just surreal, um, and humbling. And I just, yeah. What was the it first was song wild. you wrote that we sang at Victory? The first one was All Around. If you remember that one, it was a little. I feel like my age kind of showed on that one because it was just kind of. It kind of sounds like I feel like a teenager wrote it, but it was. I mean, it, it's probably available on YouTube we, somewhere, right? Oh yeah, I think so. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it it that was the first one, and I think I think that was the first one too that um, Jennifer heard that kind of sent her down the path of inviting me. Um, to come kind of be a part of what was going on. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, I was 19, no, like, official experience. Um, it just seemed like they had everything going on. And I'm like, what on earth could I possibly contribute to what is happening here? But, you know, That's sure, awesome. we'll go for it. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Um, and Jennifer, by Jennifer, you mean Pastor Jennifer Crow, who yes. was the founding, mm-hmm. she and her husband were founding pastors of mm-hmm. Victory Church, and she has a podcast on my mm-hmm. podcast feed, so oh, you can always awesome. go back and check out, in fact, she has, we did had to do two episodes with her. Amazing. Um, I'm not surprised, she's amazing. She's amazing. So, uh, let's transition a little bit, you're not leading, you're not currently leading I'm worship not. anywhere. I'm not. You're just currently being a mom mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, 
running a business. Yeah. You turned your little side hustle into a big <laughs> full-time business, didn't you? Oh, man, yeah. Just more unexpected things that you just never imagine yourself doing. But, you know, I, I've learned this time around to just not question the Lord and just just let go and follow where he's like where he's leading you and with what he's put in your hand for whatever season you're in and just was it a difficult best to steward that was it a difficult decision to step away from worship oh man um or were you just like you knew that you knew it's like yes and no because I knew it was time I think part of the reason I knew it was really time and God was like releasing us and giving us a blessing is because I never thought the day would come when I like that just wouldn't be a huge part of my life and our family's lives um and so when I all this all of a sudden started like sensing the shift in my heart it was like oh my gosh like I just I just did not think this was gonna be part of the plan and it was it I mean when you when you're doing something and you're planted somewhere for I mean close to a decade like I mean it's it's just a big deal mm-hmm. to like uproot from that um and at the same time I just I my I remember from an early age like my dad would always talk about just following the peace of the Lord like you'll you'll know um you'll know where he's leading by his peace and that that truly is the only way I know how to describe how I knew that this wasn't just some idea we had or this wasn't just, um, you know, some flippant decision. Like, we sent the peace of the Lord, like, guiding us into a new season where I wouldn't be in full-time worship ministry. And my focus would shift to um, being at home with my kids in that short window when they're babies. And I just, it truly felt like such a gift to be mm-hmm. able to step away and just focus on being a, a wife and a mom um, and also pursuing this new venture into business, which it's so funny how full circle life is because that's what I went to college for right. was business. And like, even when I was younger, like music was a huge part of my life, but so was this whole, I mean, I was, I mean, I have vivid memories of like drawing up plans for like restaurants or designing fashion clothes and dreaming about owning a clothing boutique and it's like I've just always been fascinated by just kind of building things from scratch whether it's a song or whether it's a a business plan or just I'm very much like creative and analytical um which has been a little bit of an oxymoron I've realized because most of the time people think of anybody in worship ministry is just kind of like flighty and creative and doesn't like structure rules and I'm like no I love structure (laughs) I love having a plan Uh, which in a lot of ways I think it enabled me to um, serve in my just the particular role that I had for for that long of a time Um, it allowed me to I don't know hopefully serve it serve it well but um so yeah it's just it's just been interesting seeing God kind of revive some things that I feel like were in me at a young age that you know life is just ebbs and flows in different seasons and he uses it all and again that's just where I've just learned to just let go and trust him and not try to figure it out which is hard for that planner and yeah. me. I want to see you know six months down the road a year five years um 
but just learning to live more in the present and walk with them day by day is so much more uh, fulfilling and less stressful. <laughs> and um... See, I think it's sometimes more <laughs> stressful. If the truth is told, it's a little bit more stressful. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to see, I'm, you know, I'm way out in, two, I'm way out in 2020 oh, already. And, it's hard. It's hard not to do that. You know, sure. I'm six months down the road, eight months down and the road. that's the thing. I, I, I know God wired us that way. Like, I absolutely believe that planning and strategizing and all of those things, like, serve a purpose and have a place. I think it's just, like, once you've done your part, like, trusting Him with For sure. the results and how it's all going to come to be and, always leaving room for him to do the unexpected because the Lord knows that he will um and his his plans and ideas are way better than what we can come up with I've realized that many times that's for sure (laughs) well we've come to the end of this podcast already time what I find is time flies when we're doing this it happens so quickly I I could ask you another two dozen (laughs) questions and we could spend forever but um you know I do want to ask you before we tie it up is mm-hmm. are you still doing worship are you available for people who would want to bring you in to lead worship on for special events or stuff like that is that something that you're still doing yeah that's a good question so I know when God had me step away like um I just felt like I heard very clearly that for a solid year I was supposed to completely just step away and I guess you could call it a sabbatical um but there was just a lot of healing rest renewing that I knew God wanted to do um in me and just our family as a whole coming off of just this big monumental transition and um I've always said you know I don't I don't believe I'm done with worship ministry forever by any means but I also know that I really want to trust him with what that's gonna look like and um you know, moving forward, and I really am trying to respect the season that he has me in right now, which is um, really focused on my babies and my husband and supporting his business and then um, everything else, you know, we've got going on. So I feel like for the purpose of this podcast, I should probably say that I'm not, okay. but, you know, I it, it never, I mean, I don't want to act like, you know, people can't ever reach out about, you know, different things. Um but yeah, I just I'm in kind of like a unique a unique place right now where um it's kind of just full circle back to when I was 13 and it's just this season of kind of me and the Lord and I feel like he's preparing and going to be cultivating things for when the time comes when I when I kind of step back into that, but um yeah. Hopefully that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, and, and, you know, you have a business, and so you're interested in uh, people finding out about that. So what I do is I'll put all of your contact information in the show notes awesome. so people can contact you, follow you on Instagram, on yeah. uh, all of those social media things that you do, and um, and just get better acquainted with you if they don't know you because everybody should. Uh-huh. So I like to round out my uh, podcast with some fun questions. These are just rapid-fire questions. The first <laughs> thing that comes to your brain, they're not deep and theological. Okay. You know, just spit out whatever comes to your mind. And um, so let's start with, what's the best thing you ever ate? Ooh. Probably, it was probably something sweet because I'm a sweets person. Um, oh, gosh. That's hard. Probably something I ate in Paris. Pretty much everything we ate when we went to Paris was like the crepes we had there were amazing. The macaroons, like I don't know if it was just 
being in Paris that made everything feel like it tasted better. But Reed and I frequently talk about the crepes that we had in Paris. All right. Uh, would you go without coffee or without brushing your teeth? Oh, man. Probably without brushing my teeth. Because <laughs> then I would just surrender to the fact that I'd have coffee bras all the time. What's a perfect Friday night for you? Oh, probably a Friday night in. That's like my introvert side coming out just being with Reed like I just I love spending time with my husband like just a Friday night in watching some office like I finally got him into watching the office with me and so that's been fun to get him acclimated to that show besides the bible do you have a book that you've read over and over oh um and you can say I'm not a reader it's okay oh yeah I'm, I'm actually working on becoming more of a reader I will say um, and I shouldn't be blanking on the title because I've read it, I think, almost three times through. The the one about the three kings. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I don't know the name of it. Why? Yeah, no, why can't we think of the name? I don't know. But the one where it's like David, Solomon. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one's a good one to revisit often. Yeah. All right. If Jesus had a candy bar, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Mm. What are the different candy bars? And then the ones that I think of, I'm like, oh, I don't know. How would I tie that to Jesus? Um, Wow. I don't know. Okay, well, let's move on to the next one. Do you have a life verse? I do. Psalm 28 7, which is, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. That's awesome. Um, So finally, I always end it out with this. If you could say just one thing to make Jesus famous, what would you say? Oh, man. Um, He's just the best friend and father that we could ever have that you didn't even. He's the best friend you didn't ever. He's the best friend you never knew how much you needed. That's so good. That's so good. Well, thanks, Lael, for joining me on the podcast today. I know that everybody who listens will be so happy that they did. And uh, and thank you to the listener for joining in and listening to the He Doesn't Waste a Thing podcast. Uh, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to, um, I hope it means a lot to you as well. And this is that time of my show when I invite you to do me three little tiny favors. Uh, first of all, if you're a new listener or maybe you haven't done this yet, if you would just hit that subscribe button that keeps my podcast up in your feed every time the new one comes out. Second of all, um, if you're on iTunes, would you go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating? That helps us bubble up to the top because let's be honest, Melissa Zimmerman is not the easiest name to spell. And finally, would you do us even the biggest favor of all? Would you share this podcast with your friends and invite them to listen? I think that the whole world needs to know people like Lael Ewing and uh, all of the other people who join me on my podcast. So thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for hanging out with us. And until we meet again, remember, he doesn't waste a thing.